The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to WGBB Sports Talk New York on this Sunday, 25th of July, 2021. Gary Harding and John Panarese with you for the next 120 minutes, broadcasting from the lovely downtown studios in Merrick, New York at WGBB, 95.9 FM and 12.40 AM. We will be here with you talking about the world of sports, a lot of things going on. The Olympics are happening. The Mets are in first place. The Yankees are imploding. Uh, we'll talk hockey uh, later on. We've got Gil Martin from the Locked On Islanders podcast calling in on the bottom half of this hour. And at the bottom half of the second hour of our show, we're going to have Paul Kreischer, our usual uh, Nostradamus man uh, from Isles Talk, talking uh, about the draft and what the potential free agency. And we're going to have Tim Boyle from, uh, from uh, the Rising Apple talking about the New York Mets. John, how you doing, bud? It's, it's good. It's hard to believe we're almost in August. Yeah, yeah. It's a week. Uh, August first is a week what from is, today. What are we going to be seven years doing this? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I think it's seven. I think seven? I thought it was eight. Eight? Yeah, maybe it is eight. Yeah, it's eight. I mean, you know, oh, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, yeah, two thousand thirteen. You, th- you think you uh, think WGBB is going to get us a watch for eight years? No. I don't think so. No, but Brian might get me coffee next. Yeah, time. but he might. He might. Nice smirk, Brian. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting summer. Um, you know, when we were on last month, uh, it was right after the, uh, our hockey season ended. And, uh, I, you know, I will say congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning yep. back to back. Um, gotta give credit where it's due. And we'll, we'll talk hockey later on. But, you know, a lot of other things are going on. You know, it's, it's baseball season. Football camps are opening up now. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, football starts, in, starts a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, the opening uh, kickoff is about six weeks away, which is really wild. Um, and again, you know, now, you know, everything is going to be 100%. You know, you're going to have full capacity in the football stadiums and, you know, uh, but I, I like the fact that, you know, despite all the things that are going on, um, with these Delta variants and things, the NFL came out with a statement and basically said, if you, uh, if your team, uh, has a big outbreak and you're forced to forfeit a game, I like it. This is a bold statement that they did. But not only do you lose the game, but not your team and the team you're playing for don't get paychecks. Ooh. So I, I and I, I understand it, and I heard Michael Strahan on Good Morning America talk about it the other day, and it's it's he's got a point. If the owners aren't going to make money for these games because they can't play it, then the then the, owner, the players shouldn't get money for it either. Right, right. So, um, they said that I think the NFL has about a seventy-five to eighty percent vaccination rate, so that's a good sign. But I I think it behooves the players. You know, hey, you know, the more people you get vaccinated. You know, the better your chances are you're going to be able to play the full season and, right. not, and not have any issues. Right. So I hope, you know, that, that players heed that warning from the league and, and do something about it. But yeah, so they're starting up soon. College football's starting soon because they, they've already had their practices underway. Yeah. Cause some games start, some teams start, um, the third and fourth week of August. So they're, you know, their things are getting ready to go. It's, it's amazing. You know, um, 
you know, at this time we would only you think we'd only be talking even just baseball, but of course you have the Olympics finally starting, you know, a year and two months late. But better late than never. Um, you know, the ceremony I thought was real, an excellent job that Tokyo did, despite the fact you couldn't have anybody there. You know, you only had about 900 people in attendance as opposed to 70,000 they were going to expect if they had a full crowd. But, um, you know, kudos to them to basically get everything going, you know, right. um, despite everything. And they're having incredible, uh, you know, number of uh, cases, you know. And I'm surprised that a country as as wealthy as Japan and as sophisticated as Japan, and that country is only like 15% vaccinated which right. shocked me i, I can't believe absolutely that. shocked me but forgetting about politics and all that aside the games are going the events are going it's great to see you know some of these world-class athletes you know as islander fans were excited for katie ledecky i know she uh ended up the number one qualifier for her first event the 400 meter freestyle and the finals i believe are are going to be on in i think within the next hour um, New York Times. So uh, she's going for her first, I believe, of six, six uh, events. I think four individual and two and two uh, and two relay, uh, you know, of events. You know, uh, you won't tell by my body, but I was a swimmer growing up, and I love watching the swimming. So to me, that's my favorite sport in the Olympics. It's it's fun and it happens right away. So you know, you know, so I I, I kind of tend to lose faith, but. You know, as Islander fans, I've been enjoying listening to Brendan Burke covering the I rowing. I can't believe that. Yeah. The rowing. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, whatever it takes, you know, I mean, that's that's Brendan. You know, he'll do whatever, you know, needs to be done. And, he, and you know, the kind of a sport, you, you you watch it and, you know, truthfully, it's almost like watching grass grow in a sense. It's boring. Because you know, all it is is, you know, whether it's singles, doubles, fours, or eight in the skull, you know, they're uh, – you know, they're just basically going 2,000 meters in a straight line. I mean, Lottie frickin' die, you know, but, but he's actually made it a little exciting, you know, and he's really getting in, getting into it. And you, and you see every day that he's done it, because those events, I, I think, actually started on Wednesday. So he's been one of the first, uh, actually doing play by play. But, um, you know, it, it's been actually fun listening to him. Uh, talk about his tweet. Little little teasing of uh, Butch Goring. Oh yeah, you can always expect something funny out of Brendan when he made a comment about how how Butch would absolutely butcher, you know, Giannis uh, tempo I I can't even say it right either. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's 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 funny, you know. And he said how he's done, you know, he's doing you know rowers from like sixty different countries, and you know uh, he thought you know hockey is easy in comparison, you know. <laughs> And how Butch would have trouble, but you know, let's let's switch gears to you know again to the Mets. I mean, you know, when we we sat here in March and April, you know, we kept wondering to ourselves, how are they going to stay afloat? You know, will uh, you know will the team be able to to stay with the Atlantas, the Phillies, and the Washingtons of the National League East? And we look now, you know, um, ninety games into the regular season, and the Mets have a four game lead over Philly. You know, Philly is just at 500. The Mets are eight games over 500 with their win today against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Um, five games up on the Atlanta Braves, who they have a five-game series with them starting tomorrow at City Field, uh, and I think a nine-game lead over the Washington Nationals. I, I, with everything that's gone on with this team, and for those who don't know, uh, Mr. Peterson, who was supposed to be coming back to the starting rotation. 
broke his toe in the clubhouse and is out for the. And it's not just a regular toe; is something serious damage he did to it, and he's out for the rest of the season. Just Only when he was going to come back from oblique surgery. Only the Mets. Yeah, Only I mean the Mets. I mean, the other day Peraza comes into the game, plays one inning, gets hurt, and he's on the DL. You know, so we all know about the starting pitching, and you know the Mets did pick up forty-one-year-old Rich Hill, um, who seems to have a fountain of youth and never seems to get old, and you know pitched, I would say, a yeoman's job for yeah, his first game. Five innings, three runs. Um, you know, you're not getting blazing speed from him. You know, I think his fastest pitch is probably going to be running in the low nineties, but you get consistency, and I think when he gets comfortable. You know, with uh, Jeremy Hefner and the rest of the pitching staff and, and the comfortability of, of being in New York as opposed to Tampa, I believe he will be a good innings eater for this team, and that's exactly what yeah, this they team need is. that with the bullpen because they're, they're really pushing the limits of, of the bullpen, what we have. Right. You know. And you got Carlos Carrasco pitched, you know, uh, the other night, I believe it was Tuesday night, gave up three home runs in two innings, and you're going, uh-oh, what's going on here? Is he going to be relapsed? Today he went out and pitched for Syracuse, pitched three innings, struck out, struck out six in three innings, gave up I think one single and one walk, and no walks. So uh, they said speed was up at 96 and was throwing a good uh, good amount of mixing on his pitches. So I think that's a good sign. So hopefully we might see Carrasco join the join the staff by the end of the week. So you got two two new bodies back in the lineup, which is important for you know them, especially with 60 games left in the season. Well, the thing, you know, and we were kind of talking about this in the car that I just wanted to, you know, kind of bring up. It's it's amazing to me that this team is four games up, been holding first place, but you would never know it. You know, the, the, the media just, it's all about the Yankees imploding. And every night it's about how the Yankees are going to turn the corner and come back and all that stuff. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, we all know that the Mets always take number two. You know, in the, in the paper, you know, the Yankees are always going to be, you know, the main thing. And you're getting what I like about the Mets and, 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 and about Rojas's team is that you're getting contributions from everybody. You know, if it's, you know, lately we all know Pete Alonso since the All Star game winning the home run derby has been on an absolute oh gosh, blue yeah. flame tear. He's been incredible. But before that, when he was struggling and Lindor was struggling, you were getting, you know, you know, uh, Jonathan VR, you know, PR was doing great. Um, Peraza was, was, was pitching in when he can. Um, Nimmo, since he's come back, is, is on base average, I think is approaching 450. 450, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been incredible. And Conforto struggled. He had a, a week of, of decent hitting and it slumped back again. But you're getting contributions all around the team. Dom Smith has had a, a good season, a solid season. Um, you know, McCann's done great. Has has, has been has con- contributed key hits and key times. You know, so I like that you're getting up and down the roster. Somebody else comes in. JD Davis comes back off the DL. Had a two home run game. Has been hitting the ball well, hitting to all fields. So yeah, you got to be very happy with this team. And, and it, it's nothing I expected. What I I was hoping they would be at 500 or just under and and, and trying to maybe make a move at the trade deadline. And we all know that trade deadline is coming up in in about 96 hours, I think 120 hours from now on Friday afternoon. You know, 
I would hope, you know, that the Mets still get somebody. Get somebody, you know, that they're linked with Chris Bryant, which I think would be a great asset to get. It would it would give you a little more depth um, at third. You can put uh, J.D. Davis in the outfield and spell one of those guys, you know, whether it's Nimmo one day or, or Dom Smith another day or Conforto another day because he can be versatile and play anywhere. So that gives you it gives you different opportunities. It gives you different options that a Met team really like this hasn't had in a long, right. long and time. It gives you a good bat, another really good bat in the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. and then you you know, and we all forget about that. You know, the elephant in the room. Uh, what's that guy's name again? The one with the one point oh something ERA. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Jacob. I think his Jacob name is. Something yeah, or yeah. He used to have long hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I think he's due to come back this week. So you know, think about it. You just got you got three st- three starters added to your lineup in the next in the last four days. So that that's that's big news, you know. And that, and, and, and let's not you know Tyler. I mean, we can talk about this with uh, with Tim when he's on later. But Tyler McGill. I mean. What a great story! story yeah, I so mean, from Double A to the majors, and, and he's just no no run. I mean, he's last what three or four outings. He's gotten five and six innings and and no runs. Yeah, no no decisions because he yeah you know unfortunately well because two <laughs> two or three games he gave up no runs. He only pitched four innings. Right, right, and I think they were they were really conserving him. But you can see he's got he's got lightning stuff, and he's he he, uh, he paints the corners well. He's got you know, and he's a three pitch pitcher, and that's what you want. You know, I mean, to me, I think he's going to be this this year's David Peterson. It could be, yeah. And that's looking like it. Yeah, exactly. Just, just make sure you walk carefully in yeah, the clubhouse. Don't, don't stub your toe. Don't stub your toe. Exactly. <laughs> so that brings us over to the Yankees. Yeesh. I'm John. I was sitting doing work, little show prep, and doing some stuff for uh, my wife on the computer, and I get a message on my phone saying. Uh, the Yankees got a no hitter in seven yeah, innings. Seven innings. And I'm like, yep. wow, that's good. You know, I said you know, the way that you know they've been playing against the Red Sox, this could be a good sign. You know, maybe it's a maybe it's a trend. Thought nothing of it, and I was just looking at my phone before I left, and it said, the Yankees no hitter in seven innings turns into a loss. I'm like, what? What is with this Yankee organization? I, it's you know, nine games out. I mean, this was not what was supposed to be the predictions at the beginning of the season, and you no. know, I you know I don't know what the what the answer is. Nine games out, and you got Boston and Tampa, right? You know, by, battling for first. You know, they're they're at the one hundred game mark. Boston's got sixty one wins, and Tampa has sixty. So you know, and I believe they got a series coming up against each other this week. So um, you know, and Tampa Bay, no matter what you do, no matter who you take away from that team. They always just find somebody to fill in the gaps. I All mean, right. th- that's a real testament to the GM over there and the man and and the manager. Uh, I forget his name, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I forget. But to, to, again, it's a testament to their team that they just somehow, some way, find ways to win. You know, they they bring new guys up. They get they get guys you know filling in roles, and here they are. You know, battling for. You know, first overall in the American League. You know, but you hear obviously that you know the trade deadline, and you hear ESPN, MLB Network, you know, all these other outlets saying the Yankees are going to be buyers. How can they be buyers? I I don't get that at all. I mean, you're nine games out. 
I don't foresee Boston and and the Rays collapsing. You and, know, and what and what, truthfully, what can you offer a team to yeah. get what what you need? You know, I mean, this is a team, you know, that's supposed to offensively bombard you, and they haven't, but they still have the talent to do so. So, I mean, that could turn itself around. Yeah, but, but what does the Yankees need? They need pitching. They need and, pitching. And, and they're they... supposedly linked, linked to Scherzer, but who, who are you going to give up? Yeah. You, who are you going to give up to get him? It's not like they're going to just ask for a you know a couple of minor leaguers. I mean, my, I mean, the only positive in that aspect is that Washington is on a down year. I don't think they have any shot of uh, making any ground. Yeah, you know, they're, to, they're, ironically, they're nine games out also. Right, exactly. Exactly true. And you, you'd have to, you would have to pass you know, both Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Mets. You have to pass three teams, and I don't think that's, yeah. you know, that's going to happen in that, in that situation. But, you know, just looking at the rest of, you know, rest of the baseball standings, the White Sox have an eight-and-a-half game lead over Cleveland, so I think they're very comfortable. I think they're looking to tool, you know, a spot here or there. But, you know, the White Sox have a really, really, yeah. again, another unknown team. Not yeah. a lot of big stars on it, well, but. Keep in mind, though, Cleveland, the last couple of seasons, they've gone on those sudden, you know, amazing runs in August. Oh, you mean the Guardians? Yeah, the Guardians. The Guardians. Yeah. Yes, the Guardians. Uh, you know, I'm not, I wasn't sold in the initial part of the, uh, the announcement name, but, you know, I, I get what they're doing. But, you know, for longtime baseball fans like you and me, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, not to say, you know, uh, you know, looking at the, oh, how are the tribe doing? You know, I can't. Now, and the movie Major League. What are they going to do? We have to redo the movie? You know, Harry Doyle, you know, Harry Doyle with TP Talk. I mean, come on. You know, they should have kept the name within the Native American, you know, uh, what's the, you know, uh, reflection somehow. Yeah. You know, maybe a specific tribe name for that area. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, I know it's a delicate situation and, and there's like really, when you look at it, there's only three instances where the that you know Native American name has not you know been changed or not going to be changed. Number one, the Blackhawks, because it honors an Indian right group, so that's never going to change. Number two is the University of North Dakota, the Fighting Sioux, oh, and the Sioux don't want them the Sioux to don't change, want them to, to change, change the exactly, name. exactly, and then the uh, the third one is the University of Hawaii, yeah, the Rainbow Warriors. Yep, and that that will, you know, that may obviously that's the Pacific Islander, that's the Native American, but those names will never ever change, despite anybody's inflection or wanting them to do so. But so I understand the need, you know, and I know Washington football team has announced that they're going to remain that name for this year, and next year we'll start a new, you know, a new team name and a new, you know, situation, but. But let's getting back getting back to it. You know, as you said, Cleveland. You know, they obviously are going to look to be buyers to try to get somebody to help them. Because if you look at it from a wild card standpoint, uh, you know, Tampa and Boston are, are going to with the loser that's going to get one automatically. And Oakland right now is sitting. Well, although they're a game and a half ahead of Seattle, they're going to be battling for that second spot unless Cleveland has a big run. Which again, Cleveland's done it. You know, they've the done it before. Yes, exactly. Remember, they went, what was it like a twenty-two twenty-two game winning streak? streak. Yep. 
Yeah, that was incredible. But I I don't think they have the legs of that. No, no. But still. Terry Francona has a knack of being what I call a reverse split kind of manager, where you have a better second half than your yeah. first half. Yep. So that's possible. Houston right now running away with the with the West again, five and a half game lead over Oakland, seven over Seattle, eleven over the Angels. Um so you know, pretty much you know who are going to be the buyers there and who are going to be the sellers. And, again, we, we talked about Tampa before, but they picked up another 40-year-old guy, Nelson Cruz, and where he do his first game with Tampa, he had a home run. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not just, you know, hitting here and there. He's hitting moonshots in, in, in Minnesota, which is, you know, moonshot category, yes. But, you know, he hit a, the, the first home run I saw him hit in, in Tampa was like a, a monster. I mean, this guy is, again, another fountain of youth. And I, I really am going to enjoy that series between Tampa and Boston, you know, for the AL East. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be real exciting. Yeah. Now let's look at the National League. We know the situation in the East. We've talked about that already. Um, in the Central, you got Milwaukee firmly in front, seven games ahead, um, where I thought they were going to pick up uh, – Adam Frazier of the Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates. They did not, though. But we turned out that it ended up going to San Diego. And you think of that middle of the infield with Tatis and Adam Frazier. Yeesh. Frazier leading the National League in hits right now. So, yeah, you put him on that lineup with that with that talent there. Yeah. You know, with Machado gonna... and Tatis and him. Oh, my God. That's, that's going to be it. San Diego's all in. You know, they're all in. You know, I mean, you know, right now, again, the story is the San Francisco Giants. No one, and I'm sure if my friend Jim in San Jose was you know, listening right now, he'd, he'd be telling you there's no way in heck anybody in the Bay Area thought that the you know they thought the Oakland A's would be the best team in the Bay Area, and clearly right now they're not. And thank you, Met fan. Met fans should be thanking, or the Giants should be thanking the Met fans because some guy named Flores yeah. has played the most games of anybody on the team, and has and has been. And I knew that critical and you know crucial in moments he's been stepping up just like he did in a Met uniform. And I knew that when he when he left the Mets, I even I mark my words, I said it's I maybe have even said it on this pot, on this show that he was going to show up somewhere and he yep. was going to be good. Yeah, I mean he struggled a little bit in Arizona, but he found a home with Gabe Kapler, San Francisco Giants, and you look they have the best record in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, 62 and 37. The Dodgers are two games behind, considering their horrific start that they had. They've brought it all the way back up. And again, you know the Dodgers are gonna are gonna look to get somebody at the trade deadline. They always do. You know, they got the biggest run differential in baseball. I think they've scored the most runs in baseball. Um, no, actually, they're second behind Houston, but 525 runs, and their their differential is a plus 146. So they really are doing well. And again, San Diego. You know, um, you know the war between the Padres and the Dodgers. You know, we've already saw it. There's almost a couple of bru- nice brouhaha's going, and it's great to get that rivalry, that California rivalry going. All three, all three teams in the state are, are battling for one, two, and three in the West, and that, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's that's got to be fun. So, you know, looking at this deadline, you look at you look at the Cubs. You know, they're struggling, and they're saying, you know, the, that Rizzo and Bryant. You know, all these guys could could be gone. Uh, Javier Baez as well. You know, three of the cogs that won the 2016 World Series for the Chicago Cubs could be leaving this team. You know, they lost Kyle Schwarber to the Nats, and he's had a great season in Washington. So, yeah, it looks like the dismantling of the Cubs is happening, and that's not that's not good signs in Wrigleyville. No, no. You know, um, 
you know, the Diamondbacks, you know, are another team people could fleece out of. They've already dropped 70 games this season at the 100-game mark. So that's... I cannot believe that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty tough. I mean, Miami... They are where they are. I think they overachieved last year in that shortened season. They, they, you know, but they've got a good young team with a lot of young talent. So I don't think, I don't think they're going to really let go of anything. I think there's a good, uh, they've got a good foundation. Yeah, they're just going to stay pat. Yeah, I think they'll stay pat. Texas already dealt a couple of guys. Minnesota's dealing. Uh, Josh Donaldson could be available. Um, he's still got some, some gas in the tank. He could be, if they don't, the Mets don't get Chris Bryant. Josh Donaldson could be a good target at third base too. Good bat, and uh, still has a decent glove at third base, so that's another possibility as well. The Orioles, again, they had a good season last year, and they're falling into the same trap, you know, as in the past. So, you know, baseball is going to be fun. You know, I, I really, I would say, I was a little more surprised, you know, at, at how things are going than. I was expecting from baseball in the first hundred games. Yeah. So um, I still miss, like we were talking about this in the car about the, you know, they were on the uh, fan. They were talking about the seventies and the eighties with all the colorful characters, you know, the uh, Billy Martins and Earl Weavers, and always something interesting in the newspapers and stuff going on on the field. Right, and that we've talked about because because that goes to basically. You know, and this is this comments are to the younger crowd. It, it's to identify the way baseball was played. Let's just use thirty years ago as an example. Nineteen, you know, between nineteen eighty six and nineteen ninety one, when the Mets were in their heyday. You know, you look at you look at the game of baseball then. You you had the DH in the American League for about almost twenty years, but you had the National League. You know, was a different you know a different obviously strategic league, still is. But yeah, but you know, this could be the last year of it, being the way that it is. Managers, you know, you did have statistics. You had people that kept information for you, but managers managed on hunches. Right. It wasn't managers analytics. managed on things that that put the hair on the back of your skin. You know, see, you know, you know, a guy has beaten you in the past, and you, you know, you make you make sure the pitcher, you know, does certain things. You know, you don't, you know, throw that lollipop in there, or you, 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 you know, you pull the intentional walk, and it wasn't just. Give him first base. You threw four balls, <laughs> right? You know, you did certain things, and you and you played your defenses in certain ways. But with the advent of analytics, and and, and again, I said it in the car, and you help people, you know, with with business and analytics and numbers and things like that. You know, that's our living. But there are places in the world where I don't think you necessarily want. Analytics to be the end all and be all. No, I mean it has a role, it has a place, and I'm not saying it should be disregarded. But I think in all sports, I think we're starting to weigh way too heavily on the science and not the human, you know, the human side of the game and, and the hunches and you know just that gut feeling that you get or you know just histor- historically that has nothing to do with the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think what Major League Baseball is going to do next year with the weight, I think it's going to be that you know they're eliminating, they're going to take away the uh, the seven inning doubleheader, you back to nine. You're going to get rid of the runner on second. That was it. Again, I I appreciate the effort and the attempt, but that it didn't sit well with the fans, it didn't sit well with the players, it didn't sit well with management. So they take it out. That's fine. You tried, you did. You know, um, I but the thing I love. 
and this is what's going to drive analytic people bonkers, is that they're going to force you, force your infield to play four right. in the right positions. No shifts. No shifts. Well, you can shift, but you can shift only in your position. And you can't play in the outfield. You've got to play in the infield. There's got to play on the infield, which is basic baseball. That's what it should be. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, Yogi Berra said, said you hit him where they ain't. You don't hit him to the shift. Right. You know, you... You know, and and Michael Conforto was an example of that. But you know, because they would, when he when he was playing well, you'd see how they would overshift him big time. And all you would do was just lay his bat out a little bit and just toke it down the left field line, and you have an instant double. Right. You know, so that's going to take away. It's going to bring certain strategies back in the game, and that I'm looking forward to. You know, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we got to take our our first break of the evening, and when we return. Gil Martin from the Locked on Islanders podcast is going to join us uh, to talk the situation on the Islanders, the NHL, and the upcoming free agency. This is Gary Harding and John Panarese on WGBB Sports Talk, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we are back again on Sports Talk, uh, WGBB Sports Talk New York. Gary Harden, John Penn Reese with you here. And again, remember that you can always reach out to us at WGBB Sports Talk. And you can get WGBB Sports Talk on anywhere that you get podcasts, you know, whether it's app, iTunes, Spotify, all the places that you would get your podcasts, you can actually reach at us at WGBB Sports Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook as well. We have our first guest of the evening. He is the host of the Locked On Islanders podcast. I have been a frequent guest to his show, so we are getting the mandatory payback from the one and the only Gil Martin joining us on WGBB Sports Talk New York. Gil, Gary, and John, I hope you are staying cool on this Sunday evening. Doing my best. How are you guys tonight? We are doing well. Are All you, right. John? Yes, we, we need the mandatory applause, though, when we, we announce his name. You know, it would be more. We got the sound effects. Of- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but, but just be, I forgot to say before we, uh, before we get into Gil, I want to do wish a happy birthday to Dr. Stephen Brook, who is our sponsor, who, who uh, from Country Foot Care. Uh, you hear their commercials, and uh, he's been sponsoring this show of John and mine since we have started eight years ago. So happy birthday, Dr. Steve, and we'll see yeah, you happy soon. birthday. Yeah, we'll get him on to talk Mets, but let's, you know, we waited uh, the first half hour to talk Islanders and to get you on, Gil, and uh, let's 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 go into it. Um, you know, when we were on the show last month, or John and I were on last month, it was just after the Islander season ended. Tampa won the Stanley Cup. Um, was it everything that you expected in the finals, you know, to see when, when Tampa did their dirty work? 
Yeah, I mean, the final was uh, more or less what I expected. Montreal, you know, were in over their heads. And, and, you know, from an Islanders perspective, this is the second straight year the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and it's the second straight year that the team that gave them the biggest challenge in the playoffs was the New York Islanders. Right, it was not the Stanley Cup champions. Yep, not according to what they were saying on NBC. It was the Florida Panthers. Oh, that's right. They did say the Panthers. True, but all right. But let's let's get on let's get on to the Isles. Obviously, the season ends. Um, we hear about all the injuries that they had. Guys were playing with with multiple injuries and you know all the situations. But you know, uh, last week. You know, we had the, the inaugural draft for the Seattle Kraken, and, you know, there were some big names left on the unprotected list, and uh, one of those names was selected with Jordan Eberle. Uh, when you when you looked at the uh, the list and you looked at the potential of what Seattle was able to, to uh, produce, were you, uh, were you in line with, with uh, Ron Francis uh, to take that player from the, you know, from the Islander team? Ah, uh, you know, if I were Ron Francis, I would have been going more with a guy like Josh Bailey, uh, just because he's more versatile. He could play all three forward positions. He can be on your power play unit. He could kill penalties if you need him to. Uh, and he's probably one of the better passers and, and setup men in this league. But I, I can understand why they would want Everly for his goal scoring ability. And, uh, as an Islander, you know, fan and follower, I'm relieved by the, by the choice. Uh, although I am sorry to see Everly go. He was a, a good hockey player on this team, mm-hmm. uh, during his tenure here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he was. I mean, he, you know, he had the 25 goals season his first season, but, you know, I, I, I don't think he ever reached the potential that I think fans were hoping from him. You know, he's very streaky. And like Gary and I were talking about in the car, he may be more suited to play out west than playing, you know, in our division. You know, his style of play. I agree. And and look, all Islanders forward sacrifice their statistics. You look at even Matthew Barzal. His best statistical season was still his rookie year, which was the year before uh, Trotz and Lamorello arrived and preached defense first. So, you know, everyone's cutting down on their offensive numbers, but they're doing that in order to win hockey games. So it's understandable. As far as Everly, yeah, he was streaky. I would say at this stage in his career, he's more of a second-line winger on a good offensive team than a first-line winger. But, you know, it's not easy to play with a guy with with Matthew Barzal's skill set because of his speed and the way he handles the puck, and Everly did a decent job of doing that. So I give him credit for being able to fill that role. I'm sorry to see him go, but I think under the circumstances, the Islanders did okay, and and certainly that $5.5 million in cap space is going to come in very handy this offseason. And speaking of the cap, uh, as it looks right now, I believe the number and you know, I may be off a hundred thousand or two is is about seventeen and a half million currently under the cap as of today, and the potential of being able to go over by six more uh, when LTIR goes into effect with uh, Johnny Boychuk having his last year on his contract. Um, the Islanders got a lot of decisions because you have. Um, obviously a couple of uh, unrestricted free agents in Casey Sezikis, um, and Kyle Palmieri and, you know, to boot. And then you have the three 
restricted free agents um, with Pellick and Sorokin and Beauvillier. I believe two of them are eligible for arbitration purposes, but um, you know, Lou's got a lot of finagling to do, and and you know, based off the seasons that those guys came off of, especially the RFAs, you have to wonder a, you know, how much of an increase are they looking for, and b, especially looking at Pellick in, in particular, what does the the effect of the trade that Chicago made to get Seth Jones from Columbus and then turning around and signing him for $9.75 million a year for seven years going to affect how Lou is going to be able to make a deal for Adam Pellick? I think it will have some effect, but I think when you look at the difference in the amount of offense that Seth Jones provides as compared to Pellick, uh, certainly Lou can make a, a point to contrast those two kinds of players. Pellick is not quite as, uh, prolific offensively, but he, you know, does some great things in his own zone all the time. And clearly he's a very valuable player for the New York Islanders. Um, but yeah, some of those, uh, free agent contracts that, or, uh, signings after trades that were made, over the last couple of weeks have certainly skewed the market a little bit. And I'm a little bit surprised, given the fact that the cap is flat and COVID has affected everything, that some of these GMs were willing to, to give out those mm-hmm. kind of contracts. It's just amazing to me, the, some of these contracts. I mean, that, that Jones definitely, the, 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 the Rangers uh, with... Um, uh, Barkley Boudreau. Boudreau, yeah. And, and what they, yeah. you know, $3.6 million for, what is it, six years? Yeah, for the fourth line. Yeah, well, for a fourth line. I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it it may look a lot better in the last couple of years of that contract, depending on what the cap does between now and then. But yeah, no. That, look, uh, a lot of the time when it comes to signing guys like that, you're going to overpay. You're going to overpay free agents. You're going to overpay guys who you have to, you know, trade and then sign. So, uh, you know, it's not surprising that that's the way it went, but how high it went to me was a bit of a shock. Right. Now, Monday obviously starts free agency, and that's going to create another animal. And, and, and uh, you know, who, uh, you know, obviously names are coming to play. Um, we've heard about um, Ryan Suter and J.P. Parisi, of course, um, had their contracts bought out on the same day by the Minnesota Wild. And are available. Um, you know, you heard, you know, there was a report coming out from uh, our friend Mr. Brooks from the Post saying that, you know, uh, Parisi and, and Suter are likely signed by the Islanders. And we all know the history of Lou Lamorello that he doesn't like when people spew out things like this before they actually happen. Uh, you know, does that make you wonder whether that deal might actually happen at all? Uh, look, until the, you know, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, I, I don't count on anything. But I, I would think that, you know, Zach Parise coming back to Long Island where his father played and, and getting reacquainted with Lou Lamorello is a real possibility. There is a bit of a bidding war going on. According to what I've, what I've heard with regard to Ryan Suter, I know the Bruins are very interested. A couple of other teams have been, uh, you know, said to be very interested. So 
you know, he may cost a little more than what Lou Lamarillo wants to pay, and that's one of the reasons he wants to keep things quiet. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I would not at all be surprised to see both of them joining the New York Islanders. Who else out there do you think would be an interesting alternative should the, the rumor not be true? Should, you know, Parise and, and Suter not sign with the Islanders? Who, who do you think might be fits for this team to kind of, you know, fill in some of the, the, the you know, the, the veteranness that we've lost in Letty, you know, and, uh, you know, Eberly? Well, I mean, to me, the alternative to Parise is probably Palmieri. I don't, I don't think you bring mm-hmm. both of them back. Uh, you know, you know, I don't think you bring in Parise if you re-sign Palmieri, and I think if you don't sign Parise, you can just, you know, try to keep Palmieri around. He's indicated that he probably wants to stay. Uh, as far as defense is concerned, you know, that's going to be a little more tricky. There are some other players out there. I know Martinez, formerly of the Kings, is out there. Uh, you know, there are, uh, Keith Yandel is, is supposedly available. There are a few names out there, but I think Suter would probably be the best fit, the most, uh, well-known name out of the available players. And I think he would fit into the system a little bit better than some of those other names. But at the end of the day, you know, the thing that concerns me about both Parise and Suter is, at this stage of their career, and they're clearly on the back nine of their careers, they're not as good in their own zone as, as they used to be. And we know Barry Trotz requires his players to, you know, play well in their own zone first and go from there. Hopefully those guys are at least willing to play that style of hockey and play it effectively. Uh, right, and, and there was also talk with Tarasenko, but I, I think that's, that's gone off the board. You know, Landeskog is a big name, and and just like you said, you know, it's strange that you know he's commanding nine million as well, which is very strange when we hear that that the cap is going to be probably flat, not just next year, but maybe for the next two years following, because they've you know the owners have lost so much money, obviously over the past um, you know two years with the pandemic going. So you know, by judging by that. Um, looking, let's just look around, you know, the rest of the division, you know, that the Islander, you know, we're going to be back in the, in the Metro division, back with Columbus and, you know, and Carolina, you know, uh, with these other teams. Um, what teams to you, in your opinion, looking at what's happened over the last, say, you know, seven to ten days, have made the biggest move in going you know, up and up and against the Islanders. You know, what teams you think have have improved the most in our division? Yeah, you know, I I really want to wait until free agency is over to sort of make that final judgment. The draft, usually, with the exception of one or two players each year, are not going to be big contributors the year they're drafted. So, you know, I'm not so worried about you know players that were drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to me, it's a tight division. It's going to be a competitive division. I don't think the, that, like, the Rangers made themselves substantially better, uh, so far during this offseason. Uh, you know, Philadelphia made a questionable trade that, that I don't think necessarily, I think they overpaid 
in, in the deal that they made. And, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington are sort of in transition. So it, it's going to be a dogfight. There's going to be a lot of good teams out there. But I don't think anybody is head and shoulders above the New York Islanders right now. The Islanders can compete with any one of these teams. Stupid, silly question, but does Ovechkin stay with Washington? I think he does. Uh, it would surprise me if he didn't. He, You know, people may say things to try to uh, get a little edge in negotiations, but I, I think he stays, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm kind of thinking, too. I mean... You know, Washington seemed pretty confident in the thing that I read the other day that they're pretty much going to have him sign before, you know, it really gets to that point. You know, and you look. You yeah, know, I mean, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, Washington, as as he was saying, you know, they're, they're getting a little long in the tooth. They just lost their their good backup goaltender in, in Vanacek to the, to the Seattle Kraken. Um you know, so I, you, as you said, I, I, you know, it's hard for an Islander fan to digest, even with the fact that they, you know, they haven't made the moves that are making, you know, the typical, uh, you know, you know, uh, fan podcasters and bloggers go ballistic, you know, crazy. But I still think I think this team has a shot to win the division next year. Uh, am I am I really wrong from from that statement? No, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think they will be in the mix as competitive as any team when you look at the where where everybody's going to be when the season starts i think the islanders have to be considered one of the two or three favorites to win the division but the, the other aspect of it is this i'd rather have the long playoff run than win the division and even if you go back to the islanders four stanley cup wins i think they would have only won one president's trophy out of those four cup years they had the best record in the league in 1978-79 and obviously got eliminated in the semifinal that year. So, uh, you know, to me, come in second place, but go on the long playoff run and maybe win a cup, that would be much better than yeah. winning the division. Although, hey, it's always nice to win the division, too. It's always nice to win the division, yeah. But, I mean, it's just historically teams that win that the president's trophy don't, don't don't normally win the cup i mean that's that's just the exactly reality. exactly exactly uh we are talking with Brad, uh, gil martin from locked on islanders podcast and 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 gil while we got you um we're just going to do one more hockey question and i know you have a uh you know a side uh, deal not only doing islanders we're doing football and we'll talk about that in a second but just your last thoughts sure. about the um the Seattle Kraken's draft. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we all know if four years ago when the Vegas Golden Knights did their draft, they did a lot of uh, little side deals and a lot of manipulation. And you know, they had a team that that obviously we know that did had such success. You know, made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in year number one. You look at the Seattle Kraken's team, and I I really don't think they they played to the same tune. But I think they're going to be a decent team. What are your thoughts on, you know, and I know we still have free agency left and they've got a lot of cap room, but what are your thoughts so far on the drafting of the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, I think Ron Francis didn't go all in to win right away quite as much as the Vegas Golden Knights did four years ago. I like their draft from a blue line perspective and a, and a goaltending perspective. I think that they will struggle to score goals unless they add some goal scorers via trade or free agency. 
And like you said, they do still have some cap space left to try to do that. I think that, you know, based on the division they're in and the roster they have right now, do I think they'll win the division? No. Could they compete for a playoff spot in their first year? Yeah, they can, especially if they put some of this cap space that they still have to, to good use in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so, too. Yep. So uh, so in a few minutes that we got you here, Gil, uh, you know, people may not know this about you. Again, I hope that you uh, – you know, you fans check out the Lockdown Islanders podcast. Again, I've been a guest a couple of times. Gil does a great job. He gets really gets into the uh, the dirty numbers with a lot of cases. Gets into analytics, and he really um, has a good perspective on the team. But you know, people that don't know, you know, that's that's not the only team you do. Um, not only does does uh, Mister Martin bleed orange and blue, but he also bleeds green and gold. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do cover the Packers for a couple of websites and, uh, always enjoy doing that as well and following, you know, between the NFL and the NHL, I'm kept very busy and, and I love every minute of it. So what, what are your thoughts about what the NFL came out with last week concerning, um, the potential of situations that come about, uh, if teams, uh, get hit with, um, with COVID and are forced to, in this case, they're not postponing games. They're going to have to forfeit games. And not only will they have to forfeit games, but the team that has to forfeit, as well as their opponent, don't get the players won't get salaries for that game, despite what happens. I, I think that's a very bold statement by the NFL, don't you think? It is a bold statement. The only uh, issue I take with it is that the team that wasn't responsible for the cancellation of the game loses their game check as well through potentially no fault of their own. But to me, what the league is doing is is, is striking the right balance. They're not going to force players and coaches to get vaccinated. They're not saying, hey, you don't get vaccinated, you're off the team. But they are saying, if you choose not to get vaccinated and you cause a problem to happen, you are responsible for the, the choices that you make. And I think that's pretty fair. I think that's sort of the, the line you want to walk. You're not mandating it, but you're saying, hey, you're taking this chance. It could hurt the rest of the players on your team. It could hurt players on other teams. And we're going to hold you responsible for the choices that you make if problems arise because you didn't get the vaccine. So it's a tough situation. You're not going to make, you know, everybody happy no matter what you choose to do. But I think... It's bold, as you said, but I think it's sort of, uh, for the most part, the right way to go when uh, to encourage people but not force people to get the vaccine. Now, um, with with the Packers specifically, you know, I've heard some rumors that, uh, you know, you were out at um, you were out at Starbucks one night and uh, you had some conversations with. Uh, with uh, you know the quarterback of a team that wears green and gold and uh, his, his potential fiance, so what 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 came out of those conversations? And uh, you know, just joking, we all know what we know know that yeah. you know that that she wasn't there, but you guys were. But uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no. Up, but no, <laughs> all joking aside, um, just being a betting man, and you know, again, you know the Green Bay Packers, Gil, better than most people around here. If you had to put yourself on a betting thing right now, what do you think the odds that when the first step on the center happens, 
in September that that number twelve is actually uh, standing behind the center on you know on opening night. I would say it's sixty forty that he will be the quarterback this year, but I would say the odds of him coming back in twenty twenty two are probably maybe twenty to twenty five percent. Wow. Uh, I think this will be his last season in Green Bay that he won't report this week, but he will report before the regular season gets underway. Uh, maybe in that week after the preseason. Now, you know, there's only three preseason games, so there's a whole bye week for the whole league after the last preseason game. If I, you know, had to play my hunch, that's when he shows up. He starts opening day. And then after the 2021 season, the Packers probably trade him. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. You know, it, it it looked it looked so weird years ago when when Brett Favre played for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, and I just couldn't I just couldn't open my eyes and see him in purple and, and, and gold. Let alone you know not with the green. And I think it's going to be the same way with. Um, with Aaron Rodgers, but uh, looking at the team right now, again, you cover them. Um, you know, how does the how does the NFC Central look like right now? And you know, if Aaron is under center, do you think um, they still have a chance to do some damage in the Central Division? Yeah, I mean, look, if, if Aaron Rodgers is under center, the Packers are still one of the five top Super Bowl contenders. Again, assuming players stay healthy, but look, you've got. Rogers, the reigning MVP of the league. You got a Pro Bowl running back in Aaron Jones, an All Pro receiver in Devontae Adams. Jair Alexander is one of the better cover corners in the league right now. Zadarius Smith is a very good pass rusher off the edge. You have Kenny Clark inside. All of these guys have Pro Bowls under their belts. So, you know, the team is, is solid, but obviously if you take Rogers out of the equation, they're probably fighting for a wild-card spot at best or, you know, winning nine, ten games at most, whereas if Rodgers is there, you're talking 11, 12, 13 wins and, and, and fighting for, you know, home field advantage in the playoffs and, and, and possibly getting to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it, there's a lot at stake with this whole drama with Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, it's going be, to be quite an interesting year to be uh... – be a fan of the pack. So, uh, so Gil, uh, we, again, we thank you for coming on. But let's uh, tell everybody, you know, get, let's give the plug. Tell them how they can uh, check out your uh, your show, and uh, even uh, even if you want to check up on Packer info. Well, uh, it's the Locked On Islanders podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts. It's on Twitter at Locked On Isles. Uh, I have a, a personal Twitter account for the Islanders, which is. Ice Wars NYR vs NYI, which is based on the book that I wrote about the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers a few years back. And a great book, by uh, the way. Yes. An excellent, excellent book. Excellent. Thank you. Appreciate that, guys. Uh, and then for my Packers coverage, uh, I, I cover the Packers for the SportsDaily.com and also for Cheesehead TV. And uh, I have a, a Packers uh, Twitter for my Packers stuff, which is at Gil Packers. So you can follow me there for that. Wait a minute. Hold on, dude. Cheesehead TV? Really? Cheese, cheesehead TV. Now, yeah, do you actually cool. wear one when you do yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you do. I do not. I oh, do not come on. Oh, man. I don't. Oh. I have a Cheesehead TV sweatshirt. I have a Cheesehead TV. But you uh, got to wear the Cheesehead when you go on, though. <laughs> come on. All right. Uh, next time. 
next. Well, it, it's not a TV thing. I, I do, you know, it, it, I write articles for them. No, wait, I, 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 I get it. We get it. We get it. We had, we had to, we had to do some busting, but yeah, definitely, yeah, uh, Brad, uh, definitely, Gil, when we get, get together sometime, uh, I definitely want to see that cheese head. You got it. <laughs> Listen, Gil, we appreciate uh, the few minutes on the show. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, and I'm sure we'll be uh, talking as we get into football season and we preview the hockey season. Hey, anytime, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks so much for having me. All right, All right man. Gil, take, take care, Gil. All right, that's Gil Martin again from the Locked On Islanders podcast and Cheesehead uh, TV. <laughs> who knew? So, who knew is right? I mean... Dang, dang, that's cool. I know, I like that. But you know, there's some interest again. You know, we'll, and we'll talk with with uh, Paul Kreischer from Miles Talk at nine thirty, uh, more about this and more about the draft, um, because Paul is a resident expert on the prospects and the player draft. So he'll be re- he'll, it'll be good to get his uh, perspective on things and um, you know the potential. Um, you know, move of the Islanders to Helsinki, Finland, especially with the drafts. That <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the drafts that we picked up. But uh, we got one hour under the books. Um, and when we uh, we come back in hour number two, we will have Tim Boyle from the Rising Apple uh, website uh, that's part of the uh, fan-sided network where we'll be talking about, again, the first-place New York yeah, Mets. that's I mean, right. Who would have thought that we'd be talking about first-place Mets and, you know, good things on in New York hockey, you know I mean? Well, if you're a Yankee fan, sorry. Yep. Too bad. But uh, that's the way it goes. But we got one hour under the book, so uh, we're not going to be taking any calls tonight. I apologize for that in advance. But um, if you do want to reach out to us at any time, whether we're on the sh- on the air or not, uh, my Twitter handle is at GHardingWGBB, and John's handle is at HockeyBlindSide. So uh, definitely reach out to us. We, will, we always take questions from anybody asking stuff Islander-related or sports-related and you know, stuff like that. So uh, make sure you definitely do that. But, again, one hour under the books, and we are going to take a break and pay some bills. And when we do that, we will return for hour number two of WGBB Sports Talk. And please come back. Expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.